Okay, so today on the Feast of St. Michael the Archangel, we'll start with a few parenthetical remarks on a strange topic. A very strange topic. In fact, a bizarre topic. But bear with me here. The reason will soon become evident. We'll quote from the work of a group called CE4. This is an alien abduction research group. I told you it was going to be weird. And I'm not wrong. This particular group has made a significant contribution to the correct understanding of these close encounters with so-called aliens. So we'll read excerpts from two of their case histories. First report. Quote, Bill's experience took place at Christmas in Florida. His abduction started out typically, that is to say, late at night in bed. Earlier in the evening, he saw some anonymous lights over a forest north of his house. He assumed it was a helicopter, police helicopter, searching for drug runners or something. Whatever it was, it agitated his dogs for several hours thereafter. He eventually went to bed. He was lying in bed, kept awake by the barking dogs, when paralysis set in. He was unable to cry out. He could see nothing but a whitish gray like a mist or fog, although he sensed someone or something was in his room. His wife didn't awaken. The next thing he knew, he was being levitated above his bed. By this time, he was alive with terror, but he couldn't scream. Bill explains, I thought I was having a satanic experience, that the devil had gotten hold of me and was holding me up in there. I was helpless. I couldn't do anything. I said, Jesus, Jesus, help me, or Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. When I did, there was a feeling or a sound or something like that, that my words had hurt whatever was holding me up in the air, and I fell. I hit the bed. It was like being thrown back into bed. When I did, my wife woke up and asked why I was jumping on the bed. Close quote. Second report. These are excerpts from the testimony of Joyce. Now, this woman had experienced a whole series of these alien abductions, and just before this incident, she had met a Protestant preacher and discussed uh, the issue with him. And as we'll see, he gave her some really excellent advice. So, Joyce, I was sleeping, woke up with that familiar feeling again. I saw one of the greys. Now, gray is one of these uh, supposed aliens. It's one of these twerpy little uh, dudes that's, that's gray-skinned with a big head and, you know, black eyes. That's what she means by gray. So I saw one of the grays coming through my front door. I was trying to scream for Jesus to help me. That was the good advice that the preacher had given him. I was trying to scream for Jesus to help me, but my mouth was stuck together and I could not say the words. Finally, I was able to whisper the words, Jesus, help me. The gray stopped about halfway through the doorway. Only part of his body was through the door, and now he started to speak. He said, I'm not here to hurt you. I just came to check on you. Now let me pause. Yeah, I just flying by from Andromeda, and I just stopped in to see how you're doing. Yeah, right. Anyway, however, he also did not continue to move forward toward me at all. I continued to say the same phrase over and over, Jesus, help me. Then when I looked up, he was gone. This was the last attempt at abduction. It has never happened again. Praise God. Praise his name. Close quote. So our Lord's name stops aliens. That's pretty interesting. Now, when they began their investigation, these UFO researchers, the CE4 team, were into the New Age and all kinds of different spiritualities. But almost in spite of themselves, they discovered a pattern. And I quote, As the number of cases mounted, the data showed 
that in every instance where the victim knew to invoke the name of Jesus Christ, the event stopped, period. Close quote. In every instance where the victim knew to invoke the name of Jesus Christ, the event stopped. And what does that tell us? Well, that tells us that in these cases of so-called alien abductions where the people are not lying, making something up, or they're not insane, this tells us that these aliens are, in fact, nothing of the sort. These aliens are simply devils, up to their typical tricks of attacking men. Now think of the power of the holy name. The Catholic Encyclopedia points out that, quote, the name of God reverently invoked carries with it an efficacy which the demons are unable to withstand, close quote. The name of God reverently invoked carries with it an efficacy which the demons are unable to withstand. Now I highly doubt that anyone here is going to need to ward off gray aliens, but simply knowing what is actually going on may prevent people from having an unhealthy curiosity and beginning to research a topic like this. Keep away from this kind of junk. We are most likely not going to have that kind of experience, but we can be sure that each and every one of us present here will be attacked by these clowns. Probably not under the guise of gray aliens, but we can be sure that we're going to be attacked by the enemy. And so a short review on the Feast of the Great Archangel is not a waste of time. Now, as everybody remembers, on Epiphany, we considered the topic of adjurations. Remember what an adjuration is. An adjuration is a solemn demand made in God's name to do something or to desist from doing something. That's what an adjuration is. It's a solemn demand made in God's name. That's why it's an adjuration to do something or to desist from doing something. But are we allowed to adjure demons? St. Thomas answers, quote, It is lawful to adjure the demons. We may repulse the demons as being our enemies by adjuring them through the power of God's name, lest they do us harm of soul or body. However, it is not lawful to adjure them for the purpose of learning something from them or for obtaining something from them, for this would amount to holding fellowship with them. Close quote. So, we can adjure them to repulse them, but we can't do them to have fellowship with them. Well, who wants to have fellowship with the devil? So we are allowed to adjure the demons. In a work which has the imprimatur of Cardinal Maida, Father Basil North's RRC gives a general form for an adjuration for personal use, along with a number of variations. Here's the general form. Well, you've already heard it with these other, with what they're saying, but I'll just give you the general form from a priest here. By the holy name of Jesus Christ, Son of God, I command you, unclean spirit, depart from me and leave me in peace. Now, you don't have to have all that. You have to have his name. But by the holy name of Jesus Christ, Son of God, I command you, unclean spirit, to depart from me and leave me in peace. It's easy as pie. Anybody can do that. It doesn't matter if you're in the state of grace, because Christ our Lord shed his blood for sinners. And he shed his blood. He's our Savior. And he's not saving us from bad sermons. He's saving us from the devil. Okay, so, general form. By the holy name of Jesus Christ, Son of God, I command you, unclean spirit, depart from me and leave me in peace. Some variations. You could say, in the name of the precious blood of Jesus Christ, or in the name of the sacred heart of Jesus Christ, 
or name of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. We can use Our Lady, too. So that'd be in a variation, something like that. And we can also say, I command you unclean spirit, and we put modifications on that. In other words, you could name the temptation. For in other words, I command you unclean spirit of lust and impurity, or depression and despair, or doubt and confusion, or anger, or envy, or hatred, or greed. Depart from me, leave me in peace. Okay, so we can put that in behind it. All right. It's the, it, the formula isn't so important as the holy name of Jesus and get away from me. That's the important part. And because you're, you're commanding them in the name of the Lord. All right, this is easy enough. We're already familiar with what's commonly called a binding prayer. Binding prayer is just a common name for another kind of adjuration. So that would be something that, that sounds pretty close to what we just heard. In the name of Jesus, I bind a spirit of blank and send to the foot of the cross. Now, blank is where we stick in the temptation. So in the name of Jesus, I bind you a spirit of anger, lust, gluttony, you know, uh, fear, whatever, and send it to the foot of the cross. So in the name of Jesus, I bind you a spirit of blank and send it to the foot of the cross. Or we could say, we just want to clear the air. In the name of Jesus, I bind each and every spirit here that's not of the Holy Spirit and send it to the foot of the cross. Okay? Now, we're not bishops. So we don't do this for a whole diocese or something like that, not for a crowd or a country, a public figure or some such thing, just what's bothering us. We want to clear the air. We don't have a specific thing. In the name of Jesus, I bind each and every spirit that's not the Holy Spirit and send it for the cross. If we have something specific, we say in the name of Jesus, I bind a spirit of blank and send it for the cross. Okay? So we can do it specifically or sort of generically. All right. So much for the review. Let's turn to the great archangel, St. Michael the Archangel. <clears throat> According to tradition, St. Michael has a number of different duties. In the first place, he fights the devil. In the second place, he protects the souls of the faithful from the power of devil, and especially at the moment of death, which is so important because the devil pulls all the stops out right then. In the third place, he assists the dying. He accompanies them to their private judgment. He brings them to purgatory and or presents them to the Lord at their entrance into heaven. In the fourth place, he is the guardian of the people of God. So he's the guardian of the, of the children of Israel in the Old Covenant. Now he's the guardian of the Christians in the New Covenant. In regards to St. Michael, the great bishop St. Lawrence Justinian teaches, quote, It is our duty to give honor to the prince of the heavenly legions. We ought to praise him, especially on account of the elevated state of grace in which he is. And because God has distinguished him by bestowing upon him so high a dignity, we ought to honor him for his invincible strength, for the Almighty's favor to him, and his heroic constancy in combat. But in all these, we must honor him only in God, who has created him and us. St. Michael is very powerful with the Most High. The glorious victory is well known to us, which he won in heaven soon after creation over the rebellious angels. Not without reason does our Holy Mother of the Church endeavor to honor him especially because she knows that the Divine Majesty has given him to her as his protector, mediator, and the receiver of all elect souls. Hence, all should recognize St. Michael as their protector and duly praising him, honor him with devout prayers, commend their cares to him, and rejoice him by reforming their lives as his love is so great that he cannot refuse our prayers nor reject our confidence nor disregard our love, as he protects the humble, loves the chaste, guides the innocent, guards the pious in this temporal life, and leads them to their heavenly home. Close quote, St. Lawrence Justinian. Now the great doctor, St. Alphonsus, 
has written extensively on St. Michael, and so I'm going to read what St. Alphonsus has to say. St. Alphonsus, the Church assures us that St. Michael has been given as our defender and that he comes to the aid of all who have recourse to him. Beseech him that he may be thy special protector with God who loves him so much. Among the angels in heaven, none surpass St. Michael in glory, and according to St. Basil the Great and others, indeed, none equal him. St. Michael was chosen before all others to subdue the pride of Lucifer and all the rebel angels and expel them from heaven. And we read in the book of the Apocalypse, chapter 12 and verses 7 and 9, And there was a great battle in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels. And they prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And that great dragon was cast out, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, who seduces the whole world, and who is cast onto the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Back to St. Alphonsus. In the Requiem Mass, that's the Mass for the dead, the Church prays, let the standard-bearer, St. Michael, bring them into holy light. The learned explain this prayer and say that St. Michael has the honorable office of presenting to Jesus Christ, the judge, all the souls that depart out of this world in the grace of God. St. Lawrence Justinian says that our Holy Mother of the Church honors St. Michael as her own special and faithful intercessor, and that the Holy Church herself declares that she venerates St. Michael, as did the ancient synagogue, as protector and patron. The Holy Archangel, then, as the protector of the whole church, continually intercedes with God in favor of Christians and obtains for them all the help that they need. He also aids the Pope and all the bishops in government of souls and most carefully watches over the defense of the faithful against the attacks of those demons whom he formerly expelled from the heaven and kingdom. The church prays to St. Michael in the name of all the faithful to defend us from the assaults of the wicked enemy at the hour of the death that we may not be conquered and may not lose our soul. And here's that line. Holy Michael, Archangel, defend us in the battle that we may not perish in the dreadful judgment. Mankind being lost through the fall of Adam, God sent on earth his only son to redeem it, and at the same time he charged St. Michael as a valiant warrior to repress the powers of hell. He moves through the whole world with great rapidity in order to strengthen men against the temptations of the devil. We should take care to honor and invoke this great minister of God, for the Church assures us that St. Michael has been given to us as our defender, and that he comes to the aid of everyone who has recourse to him. He is especially prompt in aiding those who are tempted by the devil. The deacon Pantaleon says he discloses to us the snares of our enemy, and he baffles his trickery. The evil spirit often tempts us to regard a good act as permissible, or a bad act as permissible, and sometimes even as good, and seeks by this means to destroy us. But St. Michael permits us to see the danger, and thus enables us to avoid the dangers that threaten us. Father Nirenberg relates that the servant of a great lord, after having during many years led a wicked life, was at the point of death. The devil placed inwardly between, before his mind all his sins, strongly tempted him to despair, and succeeded in making him say that he didn't want to make his confession nor to receive any other sacrament because he is already damned. Now that is a very grim state to be in as you're dying and to refuse the priest to help you, huh? But as this unfortunate sinner in the midst of his disorders had never ceased to keep up some devotion toward St. Michael and recommend himself to him, the good archangel appeared to him at the moment of death and revealed to him that he had prayed for him. 
adding that the Lord, through his intercession, had granted him three more hours to live and that he might con- in order that he might confess and receive the sacraments so as he be able to die in the state of grace. Thereupon the dying man, with tears in his eyes, thanked his heavenly benefactor for having obtained for him so great a favor. He then called his brother and begged him to go at once and bring him a confessor. His brother set out at once and directed his steps towards a Dominican monastery that was not far away. On the road, he met two of these Dominican religious, who told him they had been called by an unknown person to hear the confession of the sick man, and they were going to his house for this purpose. It is presumed that the holy archangel himself gave them this information and requested them to seek out the dying man. When they arrived, the sick man made his confession and received the sacraments with lively sentiments of compunction. Then after the lapse of three hours, the man died, giving every hope that he had saved his soul. It's pretty amazing. St. Michael battles for us against the infernal demon. The deacon Pantaleon assures us that St. Michael not only obtains for his pious servants the courage and strength to resist the temptations of hell, but comes in person to fight when he sees anyone hard-pressed by the devil and exposed to the proximate danger of falling into sin. That's why, parenthetically, when we're tempted, if we keep praying, no matter how hard the battle is, we haven't given in. Just keep praying, asking Our Lady, ask St. Michael, go back and forth, and we won't fall. St. Bruno, who lived at the end of the 11th century, says that the generous archangel loves us so much that he has not ceased day or night to do battle for us against the infernal dragon, and that he even calls together those angels under him to combat with him so we may not be overcome by our enemy. Now St. Alphonsus explains why we invoke St. Michael in the Confidier. St. Michael comes to the assistance of his pious servants if they happen to fall into sin. He obtains from them the grace to know the baseness of their faults and to detest them. That's an important grace. This is the reason why the church wishes us to confess ourselves guilty, first to God, then to the Blessed Virgin, and third to St. Michael the Archangel. Here we see that the Holy Archangel is especially asked to help us recover the grace of God. St. Sophronius, he's a patriarch of Jerusalem during the 7th century, in a discourse in which he greatly praises St. Michael, calls him the guide of those who go astray. That is to say, he brings back to the path of duty sinners who live far from God and thus helps them find the means to obtain pardon. This archangel is also described by the same saint as the one who raises up those who have fallen. For the holy archangel himself, by means of salutary inspirations, induces sinners to rise out of the unhappy state in which they find themselves. There they are, the drunk guy, Sunday morning, wakes up, thinking, what have I done with my life? St. Michael's getting in these kind of things. So maybe I should go to confession. Gets up, washes himself off, shaves, goes to Mass, gets to confession, gets his life straightened out. St. Michael's getting in these graces. The deacon Pantaleon pronounces the same praises. The archangel leads them forth to the road of penance and procures for them the remission of sins. St. Michael ardently loves our souls when he sees them lying in the abyss of sin, seeks in different ways to conduct them to penance, which is the only way to return to the state of grace. He adds that the generous archangel goes so far as to make himself responsible for sinners. That is, seeing one of his pious clients in disgrace with God, he beseeches the Lord to wait for him until he does penance, and he becomes in some way surety for him by promising God that the sinner will offend him no more because he will take care to aid him when he sees him in danger of relapsing into sin. Close quote, St. Alphonsus, Doctor of the Church. 
I'll just make one parenthetical note before we close. Those of you that have been around uh, the fraternity in North America for many years uh, probably know this story. But years ago, when Father Bizig and Father Devalier were going around collecting rejections from all the bishops in North America, they happened to meet a mitered archpriest, a Ukrainian priest, Monsignor Hernuk, up in Oliphant, Pennsylvania, great and holy uh, Ukrainian uh, Catholic priest. And he told him, oh, well, what you need to do is ask everybody to pray to the Immaculate Conception St. Michael. And before you know it, we start, you know, St. Michael prayer. We, that opened up North America, praying to the Immaculate Conception and praying to St. Michael. Immaculate Conception, of course, not just the Mother of God, but she's our, our patroness in this country, and St. Michael. It's extraordinary, the, the graces that St. Michael obtains for us. Let's close. Let's think, though, about what a blessing it is to have the protection and guidance of this holy archangel. We'll close, and I ask you to unite yourselves in prayer to these prayers that are written by St. Alphonsus, so I'll, I'll pray them, and you can unite yourself to them. If thou lovest this archangel, who has so great love for men, rejoice at the glory he enjoys in heaven, and beseech him that as he is the protector of the whole church and of all the faithful, he will be thy special protector with God, who loves him so much, and who rejoices in beholding one who is so faithful to him and so zealous for his honor, so much glorified by all. Protect me, therefore, O holy Archangel Michael, and by thy protection enable my soul to become worthy to be presented by thy hands on the day of my death, clothed with divine grace before my judge, Jesus Christ. O holy Archangel, the devil has many weapons to employ against me at the hour of my death. These weapons are my sins, by which you will then endeavor to cast me into despair. He is also preparing furious assaults of temptation to cause me to fall again into sin. Do thou, who hast conquered him and expelled him from heaven, conquer him now for me, and drive him far away from me at the hour of my death. I beseech thee to hear my prayer, for the love of that God who so much loves thee, and whom thou dost so much love. O Mary, Queen of Heaven, Procure for me the assistance of St. Michael at the hour of my death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.